93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad that you have joined us this weekend. Uh, very happy uh, to have you along. I uh, want to say a special hello to the Tamarius family. Uh, Lance Tamarius is one of our regular listeners on on Saturday morning, and uh, their son Noah is getting married this afternoon. So we are uh, keeping you all in our mind, and uh, thank you for listening, and hope it's a wonderful wedding, a wonderful weekend for you. Very excited to have uh, to have uh, Luke Neal uh, in the studio. Luke is the co-founder for the Columbia Coalition for School Excellence, and and we're going to get an update from Luke about what's happening in our local schools. Uh, if you have uh, tuned in um, in the last year, you've heard Luke on a couple times. Uh, sometimes when I fill in for uh, Randy Tobler, I'll have Luke on to get updates, but uh, he is uh, doing an, uh, a yeoman's uh work in terms of uh, keeping an eye on our public schools. And so, Luke, good to have you in the studio this morning. Thank you for having me, Fred. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, we um, have a lot to talk about. And uh, tell us a little bit about your background. It's nice for people to uh, uh, know a little bit about where you came from and how you got to where you are and what you're doing. Well, I grew up in Kansas City as the son of an educator. My mom was a lifelong um, school teacher. Uh, my wife's mother was also a lifelong school teacher, um, and I have an education degree from the University of Missouri. Hmm. I have worked full-time for Young Life for 19 years since I graduated Mizzou, working with high school students. During that time, I also coached at Hickman High School track and field for many years. So um, I'm, in, I'm deeply involved with our local high school students um, in kind of a different capacity than, mm-hmm. than using my education degree. Always had an interest. And now I have two children in my own household who are CPS students at Smithton and Fairview. Yeah. So got a lot of a lot of ways that I'm interested in what's going on. You were uh, harshly criticized for this while you were a school board candidate. But during the pandemic, you moved your children to private schools. Um, talk about that decision and talk about now that your kids are back in public schools, uh, what, are, what, are the, what are the principal differences between public school in Columbia, Missouri and private school in Columbia, Missouri? Yeah, so that decision was, was difficult in some ways. In hindsight, it was the right call. We did it for one year. Uh, CPS that year was mostly shut down, uh, completely online until January. And it wasn't until April, I think, 5th that they went uh, even part-time. Never one day or never one week that entire school year where our students in-seat five days. Our kids got an in-seat experience every day that entire school year. There was not one disruption in learning, uh, despite all the fear that you know schools were going to shut down because we're going to have outbreaks and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful that we did it. It was a huge sacrifice financially for our family. It's not something that, like many people in this community, we can afford. Um, we, we could do it for one year, and, and it was great. I think the main differences are uh, the private school where my kids were going, um, most of our private schools, I think, in the area, I can only really speak for the one experience we had, are using a lot less technology. Uh, the research out there is actually showing uh, that all of this use of technology in schools is not a good thing. Uh, students learn better and in deeper, more meaningful ways 
old school. Reading paper books, writing with a pencil on a piece of paper hmm. is way, way better than typing on a computer, especially as kids are developing language uh, and all those kinds of things. And so there's, there's really no research out there to show that handing every kid an iPad and a laptop uh, is going to be a good thing long term. So wow. that, we, I think that's a major difference. We have literally spent millions of dollars in this community yeah. uh, giving kids laptops. Well, and that ship has sailed, and I'm not going to, that's not the hill that I'm going to die on right. at this point. Right. I think no one's going to listen to me because they're right. going to think I'm whatever. Um, but it, they look at the research. You know, you're you're you know. not an old man. I mean, you're a young guy. And <laughs> yeah. I just sort of, uh, uh, I mean, I'm just so grateful that you are involved to the level. You have a million other things going on in your life. Yes. And uh, and it's just sort of the fact that you have uh, taken uh, this this role as, as sort of a watchdog uh, and and keeping the rest of us who are too lazy to go to a PTA meeting or a school board meeting. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know that it's lazy. I would also say I, there's there's a team of us and I don't do nearly as much. As some of the other folks in, on our um, in our coalition, as far as attending meetings and keeping people up to date, um, but I but I will tell you, it's it is a ton of work to your point to pay attention. Yeah. Now I think there are some things in place from the school district, just from local elections and local politics that make it really hard to pay attention. Uh, but it's very very time consuming. Who has time, or let alone the desire to go to a monthly board meeting? Sometimes last three plus hours. They're so boring. Yep. Um, people, you know, and I've been to them, quite a few of them, and really outside of the press, those that are being recognized for some award and the reps from the teachers union, there are usually five, maybe 10 people yeah. attending those. I, I want to talk about that because, you know, a few months ago I wrote a column um, uh and it, and it really, uh, the, the headline was, uh, apathy rages, but nobody seems to care, uh, which is redundant, as you know, but the, the level of apathy in our community about what's happening in our local schools is shocking to me because we are a community that has always prided ourselves on really, uh, being, uh, above the, above the gold standard for the most part, but, uh, we we've had this precipitous drop in testing scores over the last five years in our district and and nobody nobody seemed to know it and the school district uh until very recently was um very um i don't know i i don't want to say deceptive but they sure didn't go out of their way uh to send out a press release when the school when the scores dropped you know as, as much as they did because they send out press releases every time the scores go up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So yeah. I, to me, they are duty bound uh, to uh, do the same thing when the scores go down. And now they say the scores don't matter. You know what I mean? But what metrics are we measuring ourselves by? But but I will tell you, I, I have never gotten more response in in twenty five years of publishing magazines in this community. I have never got more response than I got to that one column, and it showed me that people really do care. Mm-hmm. They're just not there on the front line. So talk about the apathy from your perspective. Yeah. The, it's a real thing. And I think I don't, I hate to speak in cliches, but the old, the old cliche of, you know, good is the enemy of best. You know, and our mm-hmm. schools are pretty good. And I think most people are very busy. They're busy with their jobs. They're busy with their kids' extracurricular activities, all these things that, that it, they just don't have the time and they don't really have the desire. I mean, the sky is not falling. The test scores are. Uh, but you know, the, the buildings are all air conditioned now there's not cockroaches running all over the place. And so there, there, there's just this, it's good enough, I think is what most people are feeling. It's also, and what I spoke to earlier is it is a tremendous amount of work to pay attention. So my, I have a daughter now who's in middle school 
And I thought, okay, she's in middle school now. I need to really start paying quite a bit more attention to what she's learning, what her teachers are, are teaching her. And so I ask tons of questions. Well, by the time I do all this question asking and I look at her homework and I read, I get eight emails a week, Fred, because one from each of her classroom teachers, yeah. one from the principal, it's really nine, nine plus emails a week that I'm having to read through. By the time I do all that, I looked at my wife and I said, we might as well just homeschool Yeah, all the time and energy we have to spend paying attention. Yeah. It's tremendous. And so most parents just don't have the bandwidth to do it. And so I think those that have parent or, you know, children or grandchildren, they don't have the bandwidth. Um, those that don't, there's not, an, there's just not enough buy-in, yeah. you know, there, there's not enough skin in the game. And so it's really, really difficult to pay attention. Um, if you, if you can't attend a board meeting, um, they do record the main board meetings. They don't record the committee meetings, uh, which is a whole other conversation topic as to why not, because they take place in the same room mm-hmm. at like 4.30 in the afternoon when no one can make it. Yeah, when everybody's at work. Yeah, yeah. everybody's at work. Well, most of us. us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's really difficult to pay attention, and it's exhausting, yeah. frankly. And also, the school district does not always – I think they're doing a better job, I would say. Our experience at Fairview and Smith, and they communicate very, very well – I want to give credit where credit is due. I think most of our teachers and administrators are doing a great job. But to to go back to your point about the PR machine that happens, anytime the, the test scores come out, the immediate reaction is to discredit the test scores. Yeah. Now, the MAP scores, which you know is the Missouri Assessment Program, every school in the state has to administer mm-hmm. the test. Mm-hmm. It's a blunt object. Yeah. It is not a perfect instrument. Right. But uh, it is, it's, it's a common thread. Yes. It's common ground. Yeah. I mean, uh, so you went to high school at Winnetonka? Oak Park. Oak Park. I'm sorry. Yes. Don't mean that's so yeah. But I went to high school at Liberty High School yeah. uh, when there was only one high school. And uh, if I want to know how Hickman is doing against Liberty versus against Oak Park versus against uh, Rockbridge, uh, that's a common element. That's a, that is the uh, the common equation that we that we measure ourselves by. I, I want to just add one more point to your previous comment about and and I when I refer to the golden rule, it's it's not the the standard Christian golden rule. The the golden rule I'm re- referring to is that those who have the gold typically rule and it's it's one of those things that you have people in our community who wield great influence and power then they have the power to change things but the people that typically have the uh, the influence and the power and i'm not saying this in a resentful way at all but they typically have the financial resources uh to do what they need to do all of those people, I hate to say all of those people, but 95% of those people have moved their kids to public school, to private schools. Mm-hmm. And so they no longer really have that much of an interest other than the ridiculous property taxes they have to pay every year for, for an 86% of those property taxes go to our schools. And so, you know, I, so what's happened is that this, this concentration of influence is no longer paying attention to our public schools. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a, a major, major problem. Um, now, it's not all doom and gloom. There's, there are some bright spots. There are some things to be very positive about, and we're going to talk about that. You're going to praise some school board members. You're, yeah. you're going to uh, have something nice to say about Dr. Yearwood, yeah. uh, who I, I agree with you. I think he is he has the potential of being an excellent superintendent if the school board uh, doesn't fire him. Hmm. Or run him off and make or make him go to another district, and so and and that's that's sort of possible. Uh, I interrupted you. Uh, you were starting to make a point, and and I I don't know. Are you able to to go back to where you were? Well, yeah. I I just want to point out because I think some people think oh these are just talking points that 
uh, people want to say like, oh, the test scores are falling. Let me. I just want to give you a brief snapshot. Yeah, give us some uh, context. The the map scores, the most recent map scores we have is from, are from last school year. We don't have yet uh, the new updated ones. They don't come 21, 22, correct? Uh, well, these are from 2021. So okay. these have actually right. been from two school years ago because we don't have the test scores from last year yet. So the most recent uh, data available, the map scores, and these are in, this is in mathematics, uh, across our school district, all uh, grade levels K through 8, only 31% of our students in K through 8 are at or above grade level in mathematics. Mm-hmm. That is less than one-third of all of our students. Now, if you look at the 8th grade... Good thing math's not important these days in the business world. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> if you look at 8th graders, which again would be today's 10th graders, okay, okay um, in math, 12% were at or above grade level. That is frightening. 12. Yeah. So they are really bad. And, and here's where the praise for Dr. Yearwood comes in. Uh, I think it was about a month ago mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a meeting, he publicly, for the first time in my recollection, and I've been paying more attention than most, he publicly admitted to these failures. Yeah. And I, and I, if I could do backflips, I would have. Yeah. Because this is what a lot of people have been waiting for. Just say it. Yeah. Admit that we failed. And let's come up with a plan to move forward. And he's doing that. And I am so proud and happy. Yeah. I tell that. you, I, I've had him on the program before. I don't think he's going to come back because of the editorial I wrote. But, but you know, I, I really, uh, I, I, I tried to praise him in my editorial because I think if they let him do his job, um, you know, he, he's going to be very successful. And uh, there is a... I mean, I, I tell you what, we, we have been fooling ourselves for a long time about our public schools. And, and I think that what, what is, you know, what, what's kind of interesting to me is that, uh, when I saw his, when I saw him say that, I think I texted you when I saw him make those comments because I had never seen anybody just come right out and say it. You know, the elephant in the room is that our test scores are falling and we are not doing a good job of preparing our kids for life. And so, you know, that, from the mouth of the superintendent should have been a major wake-up call. And if you haven't been voting in these school board elections, it ought to get you to the polls next April. Yeah, it, it really should. And so I, I was really glad to hear that from him. I think my frustration over the last you know 10 years as we've watched these scores fall is there's been no accountability. People in power positions in our district have continued to get promoted, have kept their jobs, and have gotten awards and accolades. You know, I'm not going to call anybody out publicly because fred knows i'm too nice which is probably why i didn't get elected (laughs) um they are such and such of the year in the state of missouri they were i mean these huge awards citywide awards and i'm like you know we're talking about firing eli drinkwitz because he had you know we've only given him two seasons to turn the football team around Mm -hmm. yet we've given these people 8 10 12 15 years to continue to fail yeah and so the, the lack of accountability is really is really what troubles me. I you know I think true leadership, Doctor Yearwood, what he did is admitting when you're wrong and admitting when you failed, and then coming up with a plan to fix it. And I think we're headed. I'm hoping we're headed in that direction. That's the voice of Luke Neal, who is the co-founder of the Columbia Coalition for School Excellence. We'll continue our conversation about uh, Doctor Brian Yearwood and about the school board itself and some of the things that are happening in our school district in terms of public policy that you may or may not be familiar with some changes coming down the pike. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry visiting with Luke Neal. This is 93.9 The Eagle.
the band was jumping, the people too high mess around. They're doing the mess around. They're doing the mess around. Everybody doing the mess around. Ah, everybody was juice, you can bet your soul. They did the boogie boogie with a study roll. They mess around. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Terry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Glad that you have tuned in this weekend. Uh, we are uh, happy to be talking uh, with Luke Neal here in the studio about some of the things happening in our local public schools. And, and I, you know, I really... Um, uh, this is a little change in tenor. I think that uh, oftentimes you hear people complaining about everything that's wrong in our community. But uh, what I appreciate about Luke uh, is that uh, he is putting his uh, time uh, in, uh, but he's also finding the positives to share. And, and, and let's talk about the school board. I um, I will just tell you my overall opinion of the school board is that um, it is a very left-leaning, radically liberal school board uh, that has very progressive policies uh, that um, spends more time worrying about um, who can uh, pee in which bathroom and who what what they're wearing to uh, class and whether or not their mom and dad should know about it. Uh, um, they spend more time worrying about those issues than they do about educating our children. That's my opinion, personal opinion, Fred Perry, not Luke Niels. But you see some some rays of hope uh, with some of the school board members. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I first want to say, you know, Suzette Waters, who just got elected in April, has has really put her money where her mouth is. And mm-hmm. she campaigned on this. I have the time to do the job well. And she doing it she's showing up she's visiting schools which i is pretty rare uh to be honest among school board members um she is meeting with anybody and everybody who wants to meet including people who disagree with her yeah. and she's really digging in and doing the work she's very responsive um you know looking for information if she can't if she doesn't already know it um, doing a great job i i in some ways campaigned on behalf of some others against her in the last election mm-hmm. and i have to say i was wrong Mm-hmm. I was really wrong about her. She she's doing a really really good job. I was happy when she announced because I I think we need people. You know the Waters family. For those of you that don't know, Suzette is the daughter in law of Hank Waters, uh, who has passed. But you know the water and her husband Andy owned the Tribune for a number of years. You know, uh, this is a family that knows what's happening in this community. They have their finger on the pulse of the community. Uh, I was excited about Suzette Waters running. And then when the NEA endorsed her, I became less excited about her because it, it to me, sent a message that uh, her policies, her thoughts, her view of things uh, were closely aligned with the NEA. Uh, turns out that's not exactly right. Yeah, I think oftentimes that endorsement is based on also, who else is in the field? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that they even wanted to hand out two endorsements this last time around, but they were so uh, displeased with two of the other candidates, Andrea Lizenby and Adam Burks, who mm-hmm. uh, are both friends of Voices mine. of Reason. Voices of Reason. I think they were so displeased with the two of them mm-hmm. that they thought, well, we better put our energy behind making sure they don't get elected. Yeah. That's, those are my words. I don't actually know yeah. that for a fact. Yeah. Um, but, but it stands to reason. It stands to reason, and so they do that. That endorsement 
holds more power in school board elections in Columbia, Missouri than anything else. How do we know that? How many people have been elected uh, versus how many have been endorsed? Well, all seven of the current board members were endorsed. Uh, So for your listeners, just context, uh, two seats are up for re-election every April, Mm -hmm. and then every third year it's three seats. That's where we get to seven. So this April it'll be three seats. Uh, So they they will endorse as many seats that are open. Okay. Um, And so every single school board member currently serving mm-hmm. was endorsed by the national education um association the columbia chapter yeah and the last time we had a candidate or a, a board member who was not endorsed by them was um i think susan blackburn who was elected in 18 and she vacated her seat in 21 so uh, it's it's been a while she served um, one term she served one term yeah yeah interesting and she was a former school teacher correct and yeah I, mean, I heard great things about her susan if you're listening please run again yeah she was awesome and <laughs> would love to have you back on the board yeah um yeah so that that it that holds a ton of power um what is Suzette waters doing that impresses you she's she's just showing up yeah and she's listening and um, she's really digging in. You know, I, I had a, a, a friend who emailed her about a policy related question. Yeah. And the response was, I don't know. Let me find out. And with a couple of hours, she had contacted whoever at the board office had really dug into it and got them the answer that they needed. She's um, offering uh, listening sessions at uh, Aroma Coffee across from Hickman yep. on a monthly basis. Um, I encourage people to attend and, and to meet her and to talk to her. Um, I just think she's the real deal. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would also say David Seaman stepped in as board president um, in April um, after the new people were um, were in, um, put on the board. And I think overall I've seen a bit more transparency since he stepped into that mm. role overall with the board. Yeah. Uh, a bit more, not just transparency, but responsiveness. And that's yeah. been a really... Uh, really good change. Yeah. You know? uh, Suzette uh, meets with people that disagree with her, correct? Yeah. All right. Which is, I mean, that's admirable. Yeah. Uh, you can't say that about too many elected officials in this community. Yeah. So. There's generally, yeah, just just not a willingness to do so. Um, so, yeah, I think I would, I think she's doing a great job be, just because she's she's putting in the time. It is very, very time consuming. Yeah. You know? um, speaking of policy, and, and, you know, you said Suzette was able to do some quick research on a policy issue. Uh, there are some proposed policy policy issues uh, being driven by uh, board member Blake Willoughby, um, who um, one of the, the issues that has most recently been presented is sort of a, a change in the the. Uh, public comment policy. Uh, if you attend a school board meeting, there are some new restrictions on uh, how you may make public comment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, to be to be honest, it, there were so many iterations and revisions to it that um, the final product is something like you have to pre-register. Um, how far in advance? Um, I think it's just a few days. Um, and then you're limited to how many times you can speak. So if you speak at two board meetings in a row, you can't the third one. Mm. And then I think it was where they ended up was it was it's limited to 10 comments total in the general comment section. All that to say it's a it's a huge change from what was unlimited people could speak. You could show up the night of a board meeting and just write your name on a piece of paper. You could in the previous um, policy, you could make a comment on any agenda item and also in the general comments section of the meeting. So you could speak, one person could speak forever, however many agenda items there are, and in the general comment. Uh, it was very generous before. Uh, I will say that if you look across the state, and especially in mid-Missouri compared mm-hmm. to other districts, it was very generous. Yeah. 
Um, however, the way that this was rolled out is what is most concerning, and that it was kind of uh, put the, in a summer meeting at a policy committee when no four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, when like yeah. nobody's paying attention, and a yeah. meeting that wasn't recorded, and then all of these revisions, and it, it was. I think the way that it was rolled out is really troubling. I also think it. it it's just me. I think it's just really bad timing. Um, just given our current cultural climate where voices are being silenced and uh, there's a concern from certain elements of angry parents showing up to school board meetings. I think it's just a really bad look at a really bad time. Yeah. I will tell you, let me let me give, again, credit where credit's due and a little bit of nuance. The heart behind it, and I really believe this is true, is they're trying to figure out how to make board meetings more productive and more focused on conversations that actually have to do with academics. Mm. I applaud that. Yeah, I don't think the end result is probably where I would have ended up. And I think the way it was rolled out was awful, but I will say the intention behind it, and I really believe that's true after talking to a couple of folks on the board, is look, can we talk more about academics? Yeah. And that's that's my whole shtick. Yeah. Like, please, can we get away from... That's kind of why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I want to I say that just as a nuanced part of, of the why behind that policy. Well, change. what are some of the things, I mean, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but if you can just remember them off the top of your head, but what are some of the crazy things that we have been talking about? Uh, what are the things that we're wasting our time on in the last few years where, you know, we should have been talking about that very uh, mission-critical uh, idea of getting our kids back in the classroom and if they're not in the classroom how do we keep them up to date how do we keep them learning uh, how do we keep them up to date with the kids that are in private schools the kids that are in other districts you know kids in Ashland continued to go to school kids in Boonville continued to go to school for some reason we decided to penalize only Columbia students and and so you know the proof is in the pudding now we are way behind yeah and uh, dangerously behind and, and puts Columbia kids at an extreme disadvantage so what is some of the crazy stuff that we've been and we've wasted our time worrying about. I mean, we wouldn't be having the conversation about changing the the public comment policy if it's not for COVID. If you look at the data pre and even post of how, you know, and, and uh, forgetting the student's name, Laura Wakefield is a local activist and her child compiled this data, really like dug into it. And it's really fascinating. Um, they presented at a recent board meeting about it, uh, even though the data at that time was incomplete. So I encourage people to look her up on Facebook. What, what was the gist of it? Um, the gist of it is there aren't, it's, you know, these meetings aren't going till 1 a.m. like you kind of, or like yeah. the school board wants to make you believe that the average length was under three hours, mm-hmm. uh, that the average number of commenters and the, and the average length of comment was very small. And this is Laura you Wakefield's know. daughter pointing this yeah, out. A, yeah. a CPS student. Uh, former CPS student. So, okay, I former, believe she okay. graduated last year. Okay. Um, Anyway, all that to say, when you actually look at the data, it it really begs the question, like, do we even need a policy change here? So to answer your question, COVID is what, I mean, is what made these meetings last five or six hours. And Mm -hmm. part of it was, and I'll just give my honest opinion, the school district, the school board made some really poor decisions in locking our kids out of school longer than they needed to. We know this is a matter of fact now. This is not a some buzzword talking point here. We know this is a matter of fact that we didn't need to do that and we didn't need to mask them as long as we did. Mm-hmm. And this is what sucked up two years of board meetings where we, we were not focused on anything but because we were fighting this fight that in my opinion was an ideological position that people were just dug their heels in on, not a scientific, scientifically yeah. based decision. Yeah. And so they were digging their heels in. We can't make any other decision. The NEA says this, et cetera. And that's what wasted all of our time. And then on the backside, never an admission that they were wrong. Yeah. Never an admission yeah. saying, you know, we might have overreacted yeah. on that. 
You and know. that's across. I mean, that's across the board. I mean, you, you. It was, it's interesting. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it. That's maybe a little unfair, but you know, you look at uh, the way that we shut down businesses, the way that we shut down churches, uh, while keeping Walmart and Home Depot and and Sam's open. Uh, you look at some of the things that we did that what turned out to be very harmful, and uh, nobody has the courage to step up and say, you know what, we made a mistake. Well, uh, I apologize, and it's and the people who questioned it while it was going on speaking as a former public official were canceled yeah and i I think to push back a little bit hindsight is 2020 fred but in the moment many of us were saying this is a really bad idea Uh, absolutely so so that's not hindsight or just uh, (laughs) some of us were just simply saying okay would you mind explaining the science that you're following yes uh, so we know how long this has to go on yeah now you know on the other side of it it's time to move on and i get that but sometimes we use that as a way to say hey let's forget the poor decisions yeah that were made when by and what by the way a lot of the people that were making those poor decisions are still in decision making yep. seats yep yep you know and they're going to make future decisions with that same lens making six figures out you know? yeah. yeah so i think that's what's troubling you know uh the report came out this week and i don't have it in front of me um act scores across the country yeah are down at a what 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 was it the, the class, lowest the, since the, the class uh, so the national average composite score on the ACT for the high school class of 2022 was 19.8 that's the lowest average score in more than 3 decades according to uh data released by uh, released by the ACT that's crazy uh the first time since 1991 that the average composite score was below 20 uh, so the maximum score on the ACT is 36. So the average score is 19.8. I remember what it took my kids, what they had to have to get into college. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was higher than 19.8%, you know? And so, you know, I just, um, and, and I don't think anyone, is there anyone denying that this is because of COVID? I mean, we're all pretty much agreeing, right? That that's a direct result of schools being shut down. Well, um, I don't, we, I don't know. we can certainly read on here, but I, I will tell you uh, how much of it really is COVID. How much of it is just sort of the uh, the game playing that goes on in our schools sometimes, and and the distractions. You know, uh, what are the furries up to today? You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and what bathrooms are they using? And and and, uh, and the, one of the biggest distractions uh, right now in our school district are behavior problems. Yeah, teachers and administrators and the amount of classroom time being wasted on behavior problems because we've had such a lax policy yeah. for, for years on the ACT score front. You know, I, I think, I think part of it, it goes back to the map scores is what the reaction to that now is people calling and demanding for universities to drop the ACT yeah. as an admission requirement. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, instead of uh, throwing this in the trash can, why don't we fix the problem? Yeah. You know, instead of, you know, our grading system in Columbia has changed under the standards reference grading. Yeah. You know, scores are falling, grades are falling. Well, let's just wipe the slate clean and come up with a new grading system. Yeah, that's the voice yeah. of Luke Neal. We're talking uh, about the, the efforts being made by the Columbia Coalition for School Excellence. When we come back, we're going to tell you about a special program that they have adopted over at Alpha Heart Lewis that this uh, coalition has headed up. And I want to talk about the mass exodus of good teachers this last school year. Uh, and so many of them went over to Columbia Catholic and other places. Uh, uh, we'll continue our conversation with Luke Neal. This is the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. 
And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend, visiting with Luke Neal. Luke is the uh, co-founder of uh, Columbia, the Columbia Coalition for School Excellence. And um, if people want to find out more about this organization or get involved or get on your mailing list, how, how do they do that, Luke? You can email um, at ccse.cps at gmail. So that's okay. CCSE, which is Columbia Coalition School Excellence. CCSE. At uh, at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. Okay, very good. CCSE at gmail.com. CCSE dot oh my gosh. CPS. Okay. Gmail.com. It's C- super confusing. Do it one more time slow. CCSE dot CPS at gmail. Okay, very good. Thank you. I, I added to the confusion there. So, um, one of the things I, I think people need to know about you, and, and pardon me for, I hope I don't, I'm not jeopardizing your job, but, uh, you have been, uh, you have worked for Young Life in our community, uh, for how many years? 19. 19 years. And, uh, Young Life, uh, for people that don't know, is, uh, an organization for high school kids, uh, who, uh, are interested in exploring their faith, uh, in the company of other, high school kids and so it's, it's sort of building community but but really where the focus is on something very positive mm-hmm. and um and so i i really respect your opinion because i mean i don't know how old you are but you're young uh but if you've been doing something for 19 years you're not too young 41 41 41 but you know you're pretty hip and the fact that kids high school kids uh are having contact with you and your team uh, every week. Uh, so what I respect is that you, you really do know what's happening in our schools. You really do know the challenges that kids are facing. And it's a tough time to be an adolescent. And, uh, the suicide rate is off the charts. Uh, there are so many issues. Uh, you know, we, we, we look at what's happening with fentanyl. Uh, we look at what's happening, happening with, uh, you know, uh, sexual abuse and pornography and all these daunting things that kids are having to face, plus tremendous dysfunction in their homes. You know, there's not a lot of these kids just don't have a stable home environment. But I, I credit you because you you are there. You have your pulse on the uh, the community of high school kids. And so, you know, some of the challenges they're facing. I also know that you're a good parent, and I, I I saw on Facebook or something this week, you have a daughter named Emma. Is that correct? No, Nora. Nora, Nora very yeah. good. Nora. Okay, so your daughter Nora uh, has decided to be somewhat of an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Which I think is pretty impressive. Um, she is baking and selling banana bread. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, a couple things. We, um, you know, Dave Ramsey has been a, a huge influence in our uh, in our family yep. in in the way that we view finances. And one of the things that I learned from him that I wanted to pass on to my daughters is we want to build a strong connection at a very young age between work and money. Yeah, if you want money, you have to work. It doesn't really grow on trees, does it? It doesn't grow on yeah. trees. Yeah. And so, um, so she loves shoes. She's in middle school now. Loves. She's got a closet full of shoes, and she wanted to buy some new shoes. I'm like, well, you need to. Find a way to make money. We're not, you know, going to keep buying shoes for you. You have enough pairs, um, and so we kind of came up with this idea. I said, "Why don't you start a business, um, which is, you know, way better than um, just getting your allowance each month or whatever?" So she loves to bake banana bread. It's kind of her specialty, and so she launched a business. And in fact, Tuesday uh, she'd be like, "Well, Dad, just post it on social media again." I said, "No, no, no." <laughs> Part of that, being a business owner is you have to generate your own leads. Yeah, yeah. So she printed a flyer and she went door to door in our neighborhood. Wow. And she got 
in a matter of an hour got seven more orders. Yeah. Um, and so she's, she's learning a lot of skills that way. I think, you know, four year college degree is no longer the answer for a lot of kids. And I want them to at least have some skills to say, Hey, maybe you want to be, maybe you don't need to go to college for four years. Maybe you could start a small business. Maybe yeah. you could get an associate's degree. And, say, and how old is she? She's 12. 12. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if, uh, so I like warm banana bread with peanut butter on it. Oh. Okay. How about that? Um, just, uh, maybe that's why I'm the shape that I'm in, but, <laughs> but, uh, so how, how can I order banana bread from, uh, from Nora? And yeah, it's, so, it's only on Saturday mornings. Well, correct? she bakes on Saturday mornings. We del- she delivers on Saturday afternoons, and it's ten dollars a loaf. Um, you can you can send me uh, a text message if you want, Fred. But I'll give you my email address over the air, which is okay. Luke J Neal L U K E J N E A L at Gmail. Um, and yeah, we, we deliver. Take Venmo or cash or check. And uh, she has to pay me three dollars a loaf because that's what the we figured up on an Excel spreadsheet. That's the cost per the loaf, overhead, yeah, the overhead, and then Gas she gets money. To, she keeps seven uh, per loaf, and wow. she has to sell about ten to buy a new pair of shoes. Wow, that's amazing. Good for her. Yeah. Well, uh, she's going to be uh, uh, the Imelda Marcos of of Columbia here before you know it. So. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the things that you're doing. I'm really intrigued. Uh, You know, it's one thing to sit back and criticize the things that are that are going wrong in our school district. And the other there's it's another thing altogether to sort of just stand up and say, okay, I'm going to be part of the solution. And uh, that part doesn't happen very often. Uh, You chose to do that um, in several different ways. Uh, One, you chose to run for school board a few years ago, and that was an eye-opening experience for you. You lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, boy, did you learn a lot as a result of that process. And uh, you've helped other candidates uh, run campaigns and and trying to figure that out. Uh, But you also uh, helped form this organization, the Columbia Coalition for School Excellence, but I want to talk about what you're doing personally and with this organization at Alpha Heart Lewis. Talk about that. Yeah. So one of the initiatives uh, of our organization is we wanted at a very practical grassroots level, wanted to directly support uh, our local school teachers. And so we decided to just choose one school this school year, and we would love to grow it in the future. We want to adopt a school that doesn't have as much school support. So I, I listened to a podcast a number of years ago, and one of the lines in that podcast that's kind of haunted me is, not all PTAs are created equal. Um, several of our local schools are having their fall fundraisers. We had our Fairview Fever Festival last yep, Friday. Yep. Um, and you're like selling gift wrap and, and, uh, well, we're doing like, this and, is like a carnival with oh, the okay. food stand okay. and all this stuff. Yeah. And, and these schools, you know, I'll tell you the Fairview, Beulah Ralph, Paxton Keeley, um, some of these schools are raising 15, 20, $30,000 at these fundraisers. Wow. They're spoiling their teachers during teacher appreciation week. They're providing Christmas gifts, all these things. That is not the reality for a good chunk of our schools in, in Columbia. And so, uh, we don't think that's right. We don't mm-hmm. think that's fair. And what so, are the, do you mind sharing? What are the schools, uh, that maybe don't have the, I mean, I guess, does it correlate with the amount of uh, free and reduced lunches that we, we yeah. Have? And then, you know, several of our elementary schools are categorized as, as Title I schools, which mm-hmm. is a federal program. And so, so um, like Parkade is one of those. I think Parkade, I'm not sure if Parkade's on the Title I list. I think okay. so. All Alpha right. Heart Lewis is one that, the reason they were on our radar is a good friend of mine uh, recently got an admin job there, and I just thought, well, I, I really like Jamie Lazechko, mm-hmm. and so uh, and I really want to support what she's doing, and yeah. so we just kind of picked Alpha Heart Lewis. Um, so we're trying to raise $10,000 for them this school year. We've already raised over 2000 and been able to provide for just from some generous folks in the community as well as the Crossing Church. Um, and what and, are you going to do with the money? 
it's all, you know, most of it is going to be spent directly supporting teachers. So uh, they don't typically get food at their faculty meetings. That's a very basic wow. thing. Like, give them a Jimmy yeah. John sandwich, yeah. right? When they have these teacher work days, they don't, they've not for years gotten coffee or breakfast or whatever. Teacher Appreciation Week has been pretty light. And so mm. a lot of it is being spent, frankly, on food. I, I met with them and said, what do teachers really want? feels like food's always the answer. And they said, oh, no, food's always the answer. Yeah, yeah. You know, like pl- more, more, more than that. the food. It's just recognition. It's recognition. Yeah. And then, and then they're, they're trying to find some ways at that school to get more parents involved. So one small thing is some of the money that we raised um, paid for a bounce house at their back-to-school night. Well, Fred, bounce houses are a magnet for people with kids because if they know I can come and bring my small kids they can jump in the bounce house I can meet their teacher meet their principal they said they had an unprecedented attendance of their back to school night because of a bounce house and it costs like 250 bucks that's such a minimal thing that yeah um, so again, reach out to me. Um, I've mentioned the email address earlier. Um, we, you know, if you're interested in donating towards that, we're not set up right now as as a, any kind of 501 or 504. Um, so it, the the donation actually goes directly to the school. It doesn't go through our organization. Yeah. Um, but we're looking to raise another eight thousand or so because we just think that these in the, in the very little they got Jimmy John sandwiches at a meeting and teachers were flipping out. Yeah. And we're like, this is such a minimal thing. Luke J. Neal, N-E-A-L, yep. at uh, gmail.com. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's good. Okay, good. Um, so that's, uh, that, and and you are pointing out Alpha Heart Lewis, but you know there's a handful of other schools that are in the exact same position. I remember Peter Siepelman when he was a principal at uh, West Junior, West Boulevard yeah. Elementary talking about how nobody showed up for, for parent night or, mm-hmm. or teacher parent night. And so um, we know that it's a problem even in the central part of our community where, where things are fairly accessible. Um, okay, I want to also uh, have you talk a little bit about uh, uh, some of the uh, – are there other public – are there other policy changes that are sort of in the works that, that, that probably – something that needs to be put on people's radar? Uh, not, not to my knowledge. You know, the policy committee, which is a, a subset of the board, there's three members on it, and then they also have – um, some members of the public actually, uh, who you mentioned, Susan Blackburn, who you mentioned earlier, just joined the policy committee. Um, they meet, uh, once a month. I encourage people to go to that meeting. Uh, it's, it's at 4.30, I think on a, a Monday or a Thursday or something. Um, and all of that is made public on their, on the website. So if you want to do a little bit of digging, you can find what policies that they're putting forward. I don't know of any on the radar right now. Yeah. Um, that but, are, but you're paying attention. Well, a member of our, I have to give credit to a woman named Karen Weaver, uh, who's a member of our group, and, and she uh, she's so good with this stuff, just her research skills and her willingness to show up and ask questions. So she's the one who kind of keeps me informed most of the time. Yeah. So we earlier we talked about Dr. Yearwood's uh, transparency regarding test scores, in our, which is much appreciated. Uh, it was not good news, uh, but... Uh, you know, he doesn't have to take the blame for most of it. Uh, but we appreciate the fact that he at least went public with it. Um, so does he have a, a, uh, a secret recipe or, uh, uh, some kind of, uh, action plan for turning things around? What, what's involved? Yeah. The goals, I, I, I think the goals, if I'm, I'm just going off my memory over the next three years, he wants to see a 5% increase per year. And so that'd be 15% over the course of three years. Um, I think that that's a pretty ambitious goal. You know, step one is just to stop the bleeding. So if we could just plateau for a year, that's progress. Stabilize. Sadly. Yeah. yeah. So 5% in one year is ambitious, but you know, goals are meant to be that. Um, the The district has gone all in with 
standards reference grading, which is our new grading system. Um, there was a lot of pushback from parents and teachers, a lot of criticism. Uh, they have decided to go all in. I will, again, I'll, I'll give some credit. The communication on that so far this fall has been much, much better. As a, and I try to think of myself as an informed parent, yep. and I was really trying to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Yeah. The communication that came out early this fall, I read some of it. It was in my child's you know, Friday folder, and I was like, oh, you're starting to win me over now. Mm. You know, now, I'm not totally sold on it, and there's a couple of key reasons why. But they, you know, Yearwood really thinks, and I think the, the uh, folks at Aslan, the Aslan building, really think that standards reference grading, if implemented correctly with total buy-in from faculty, is part of the solution. Yeah, good. I'm not. I'm not convinced. Uh, I think other districts that have implemented it. There's been some questions on. Uh, just as an example, how are their ACT scores? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think the news is good on that. Yeah. That is Luke Neal, who is the co-founder of the Columbia Coalition for School Excellence. Luke, we appreciate uh, uh, you joining us this weekend on the program. Uh, LukeJNeal at gmail.com if you want to order some banana bread or find out more about uh, the Columbia Coalition for School Excellence. Uh, We appreciate your time. We'll be back next week with another edition of the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it.